There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, Matt. If we go into this labyrinth and retrieve the chalice of destiny, we can save our kingdom. All right, Nick, I'm ready. I I, I have my equipment. I have my items. Let's 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 make it happen. Problem is, we're just up against such incredible odds. And with just the two of us, we really could use a third party member for this quest. Yeah, I don't, you know, I think we can do anything together, but it'd be a lot easier if we had just one more person. Well, wait, well, hey, guys. Oh. I see that you want uh, into this labyrinth. Ah, uh, uh, it's a monster. Ready your attacks. Yeah, ready your attacks. Or we could join forces and I could be on your team when we get this chalice of destiny. What say you, boys? All right, let's squat up. Welcome to the party. Wait, hold on, Nick, so hold, on, hold, like on, hold on, hold on. So you're like a healer or a tank? This guy's clearly evil. He's on our now. This is this is great. This is we need. We we're just saying we need a third. Man, man. This is exactly what we need. Man, what's wrong with you? Are we sure Matt's not a a bad guy? Well, you think I'm a bad guy? Ma- I Matt's not a bad guy. He's my friend. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not a bad guy. I'm just you know you're sort of you came out of the shadows. You sort of uh, you know yeah. appeared out of where nowhere. I live. I live in the realm of darkness. And it's just you know usually RPG party members. You know, we're sort of all kind of on the same page. We're all, you know, sort of happy, the lucky, positive there's guy. There's precedent. There's precedent. There's precedent. Yes. In Super Mario RPG, you have Bowser in the party. I believe that Sephiroth joins up for a short period of time in Final Fantasy VII. So I, Bethaldo. It's cool that in our reality, of uh, video game systems and uh, RPGs like exist, and we played them and know about them. It is cool. It just makes it makes for any. First of all, it's cool because it's fun to play, and second of all, it makes this discussion easier because we have we know we, we have, have like a shared understanding on. of what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So it's great. Yeah, I totally. I, mean, yeah. I, I have to say, I was a PlayStation monster myself. I. What were you guys? Where were you? What were your mains? <laughs> Uh, we actually had like my my dad was really cheap, so we had a a, a PC engine, which was released as the TurboGrafx sixteen in North America. Yeah, yeah, but like he got got it as a discount at Sears. Sears. Uh, he worked there, so like. Wait, wait which Sears? Which Sears uh, did your dad? You know the Sears on dad? the Sears on Brockton. Again, it's great. All this stuff exists in our world where we're going to the labyrinth to find the Chalice of Destiny. I'm I, I'm on your side. We have a shared goal. 
Enter the labyrinth. Find the chalice of destiny. Drink from the waters of life and become immortal. Thus granting us unlimited power. Also, I do know that Sears, Nick. I can't believe your dad worked there. We, we, yeah, we, he was a branch manager, we yeah. We would have been friends in another time, I think. Isn't that weird? It is weird. Isn't that wild how that works? Yeah. Maybe we could... Maybe we could unequip Matt in the party. You're gonna, you're gonna take just, me out of the you party. You and I. <laughs> we can't boot Matt. He's my friend. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm really sorry, I'm out of breath. I ran up a lot of stuff. Oh, so you sound like that because you're just tired. <laughs> I thought that was your normal voice. I live forty floors below this. Forty floors below this place. <laughs> Well, that's no, lucky that you're so close. Oh, so you live below, below the labyrinth. We Got traveled it. from another, a different realm. That's like way farther than yeah. forty floors. But like we, you know, we rode like where where tigers over here. So I, I'm giving myself a headache doing this. <laughs> doing this, like uh, being alive. You just want to not do this? <laughs> yeah, let's just not do this. Okay, fuck the chalice then. We're not, I'm out of here. Yeah, get the get these were tigers. Yeah. I'm going back home. Yeah, let's go. Let's hit up that Sears. Let's go see your dad. I remain the undefeated boss of the labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> we party up with Bowser and throw down with Bowyer as we discuss the beloved and soon-to-be-remade Super Mario RPG this week on Get Played. Welcome to Get Played, your one-stop show for good games, bad games, and every game in between. It's time to Get Played. I'm your host, Heather Ann Campbell, along with my fellow host, Nick Weiger. That's me, Nick Weiger, and I'm here with our third host, Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back, Bucket. Whoa. Um, I had to do it. It's back. The Uh, long dormant catchphrase has returned. I, um... I was on the street in Amsterdam the other day and somebody rode by on a bike and shouted it at me. And I was like, holy shit, I gotta, I gotta bring it back. Wow. Also, that story seems fucking fake, but it was a thing that happened. Mm. Fake news. Yeah, you get three Pinocchios from PolitiFact. Oh my God. Okay. Well, boys. It's a, it's a, here's the thing. It's. I'll be seeing this on Snopes. Here's the thing about a catchphrase is that it, it become it can become something of an albatross. So just be wor- wary of deploying it too uh, too readily. What do you mean, Nick? Th- How do you have any experience with that in particular? <laughs> I don't think "wow" counts as a catchphrase. I think it's just a thing you say. Hey, man! Trump said in his latest press release, so <laughs> <laughs> world is listening. <laughs> the world is listening. His his press release opened with "Wow!" all caps exclamation point. He was president for four years. Good times. I'm surprised he never like 
got like a motherfucker out there like when he, when he was like uh like addressing the nation like what's up yeah, motherfuckers how, how is that possible <laughs> this look this isn't a political podcast and so our, no. our comments i mean all co- everything is politics so sure. by that I, mean, I don't mean we're not apolitical because that's political right but we mm. this isn't a show where we talk about politics we talk about three things we talk about uh we talk about rise of skywalker that's right. We talk about video games. Oh, uh, let me just add that to the about... questions for our guests. Sorry. Thank oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we talk about Hideo Kojima. And that's, that's about right. all we do. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's correct. <laughs> hey, we have a guest today. <laughs> a writer and comedian. His new stand-up special, Bag of Tricks, is coming this fall to YouTube. Django Gold is here. Hi, Django. Hi, everyone. Hi, gamers. Hey, wow. Wow. Hi, gamers. <laughs> Addressing That's the right. nation of gamers. <laughs> this is me, Django. The new god. <laughs> We're recording over Zoom. Yes. And the first question I have for you is, you have a map in the background, and I love Ooh, maps. Good. What is this map? This is a Vietnam pre-U.S. involvement. The US war. Wow. <laughs> wow. Not a political podcast. Not a political no, podcast. No, no, no. It's truly an apolitical fascination with the country, not even the history about it, just the country itself. Uh, I, I used to be a big Vietnam guy, and I ordered that on Etsy, and I foolishly didn't realize it was pre, pre-US involvement, making it almost worthless for, for my interests. So it's, it's all the, yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, Django, I want to ask you because we're, you know, this is a video game podcast and yeah. I, 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 I like, are you someone who has, I, cause I know you, you were a big video game fan, uh, when you were younger. I know some of the games we talked about in, in re- leading up to this record, um, are, are from your youth. Uh, are you someone who still plays video games or is that more of a lapsed hobby for you? Yeah, I'd say I'm what you would call like an intermittent gamer mm. where hmm. half of the time I'm not playing any games and half the time I'm like devoutly really into a game such that it starts like affecting my sleep and health. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes. Like when the resident evil four reboot came out a couple months ago. Oh, hell yeah. There was like a a week and a half where I was doing nothing except playing that, like staying up to like 4am waking up, like going through the motions of like today will be a normal day. Oh, I will wash the dishes for thirty minutes, and I will eat a delicious breakfast, and then like play Resident Evil for like twelve hours straight. So, that's, <laughs> uh, so I have like this uh, this addict's addicts mindset where like you know it's like binges and purge sections. But when I'm gaming, baby, ooh, it's binge season. <laughs> Talking about RE4, did you play it on the GameCube? I assume or on a PS2 back in the day? No, I actually only played it on the PS4 like three years ago when it, oh, like, wow. it, it got like kind of a crappy port yes. PS4, but still very, very, very fun. And then the, the reboot is obviously fantastic. Uh, so uh, like, what are your, what are some of your favorite? And I know we're going to talk about a, a, a game that's important to you in a little bit, but mm-hmm. I, I'm curious, like, what are some of your favorite uh, like video game, either individual titles or franchises? I got to say, like as a pandemic was, it was really getting to the heart. I, I played most of the resident evil games and they really, wow. they, re- they really did it for me. I think I think they're just really fun. Yeah, it's, it's kind of dumb, but like the puzzles are so easy because they're, they're like designed. Oh, I love I love an RE puzzle. I love <laughs> it's those. like find the red you know the red key and put it in the red slot and like I would like solve the puzzle and I'd be like I did it. I saw the puzzle design yeah. for a child yeah. to do in 1998. I like it's like so dumb. Like find the wolf key and put it in the wolf medallion. Like yep. 
what can I say? I guess I have yeah. a gift. <laughs> Solve this cipher. And it's like C-T-A. Yeah. Hmm, these letters are out of order. Yeah, I got yeah, it. Yeah. They, they really make it yeah. so easy. And yet, like, yeah. th- these games, like, they really, like, they're, they are perfectly designed to tap into whatever endorphins you want. So I would genuinely feel like accomplishment. Like, by God, I've done it. Maybe I'm not such a failure after all. Uh, I I want to like that. That also points to something which I think is is those have value in the in those games, and I think in games in general. I know Heather like kind of loathes shitty puzzles, but I think they're so important for just like pacing and just sort of like like breaking up the action. Like I'd rather have a good puzzle, but sometimes it's just like you get, like just an unending string of combat in a in a game that's got a narrative. <laughs> oh, uh, Heather's Heather's vigorously shaking her head. I've been thinking about this. This week specifically because of our We Play, You Play of Final Fantasy 16. Yes. And I think my my ultimate design of a video game would be that the first encounter you have with a creature would be the combat that you did for 60 hours and you both scaled in power and learned new moves. But it mm. was just one encounter and you didn't have to do anything else in the game. <laughs> It's one fight. Yeah. You're fighting the same enemy repeatedly? Just no, you never stop. You never stop. It's like one, an, one ongoing it's fight. One ongoing fight where you're both powering up and learning new abilities. Oh, I see. And yeah. like maybe there's like a flash on the screen in the corner that's like, now you can press X and triangle in order to unleash your, your inner fury. X. Yeah, and and like, but but it's it it is a nonstop combat for sixty hours against one enemy, who maybe gets bigger, fancier. That's a cool but, idea. But not no puzzles, fancier. No fucking anything. Just <laughs> one guy, and it you it's you could call it the last fight. You want to play Gandalf versus the Balrog. And just stars are wheeling overhead, and every day is yeah. as long as the age of an Earth. While you're just yeah, engaged yeah. in combat with this yeah. uh, undefeatable I kinda, foe, I kind of like that. And like that is that can, is cool. It, it can be like combat, but also you know the two of you might do a quick little puzzle battle at one point. See, no, I like that pitch. <laughs> no, <laughs> at one point, oh god, there's three keys. Oh. Uh, no. <laughs> Now, so I'm someone who can run into one of these Resident Evil 4 puzzles and be like, all right, so what do they want me to do here? What's going on? <laughs> Why do they make it so impossible? Yeah. yeah. You, you like, have 160 key. IQ to play this game. No, there's no this key shaped like this. Hexagon and this other <laughs> crystal shaped like a triangle. Where yeah. is this supposed to go? <laughs> uh, a baby's playset is what, is what yeah. these puzzles are. Yeah. It's the equivalent of moving the thing along the like the set track to the other end of it yeah. i have that and then a wall of red yarn just being like what does it mean yeah it's like o- object permanence yeah like... so so you mentioned you're kind of a feast or famine in terms of your gaming habits yeah did that did, like I, you know I, I imagine and and especially i i think you've been in in new york this whole time you know mm. super affected by the, the the covid pandemic lockdown when that happened that's when a lot of people like i feel like got really really into video games games so did, yeah. did that affect your your habits at all it was true like 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 march like 14th or something was when i like saw the writing on the wall the first thing i did is i went on craigslist and i got this used ps4 because wow. i was like you know, this this is the time to do it yeah i think the first wow. game i got i believe was death stranding which had just come out <laughs> wow let's go yeah. Hell yeah. Let's go! 
that is an alpha three. move. It's that one rock. Of the three. Yeah. <laughs> just like immediately started hauling crates along <laughs> along a gray, a gray landscape. Like, yeah, the pan- pandemic's not so bad after all. As I'm, I'm, I'm essentially a gig economy worker. Yes, like, that, that was my escapism was <laughs> delivering shit. Yeah. So it was that, and then the RE4 games, and Last of Us Part Two came out sometime around that time. So that was like a pretty solid pack yeah. year of, of gaming. Uh, we and and I'm not sure where where it goes in your in your hierarchy of fandom, but we here on this podcast, like Death Stranding, is a game we all like love and and yeah. gush about repeatedly. I mean, did you find yourself connecting with it? I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I thought it was just like so weird and like yeah. Like one of my pet peeves in games is like when they have a lot of dialogue or lore that you kind of have to like. I would always like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. So unfortunately, that was one of those games where they're just like jam packing you with that, mm-hmm. which you know it's not my favorite thing in the world. But I, I just I, I like the mechanics of it. It's like so dumb how like you would get better at balancing, so you can carry more gear. Like it's like yes. crazy, like such a strange reward system. Where like instead of upgrading your your weapons, you're becoming like better at walking. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this, this slope isn't a problem for me anymore. You know, like it's just like so crazy, like how it just kind of allowed you to reset your expectations. But yeah, I, I thought it was great. It's like so creepy and like sad. You know, all the things you want. Yeah, to be yeah. sad, be alone, delivering boxes. <laughs> and like a strange game, like for the times too. Like I felt like playing that, and then playing uh, the Last of Us Part Two when it came out had a certain punch. You know, like just like in public when you'd go on your like daily sanity walk and be like, oh, like that person's not wearing a mask. I better uh, go over there. They're gonna they're they're a clicker. I gotta get out of there. Yeah, <laughs> I I feel like Death Stranding yeah. was like such an accurate, and we've talked about this before, an accurate like dilution of the loneliness of covid the Mm -hmm. the surprising side effect of last of us part two coming out when it did was i i envied the crowd scenes i was like oh man all those people just hanging out (laughs) animal crossing um, same i'd be like hey my friend's coming over that's not gonna happen yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean like whatever maybe we would have figured out how to fit whatever game that came out at the time into the narrative of like this speaks to our reality but yeah. there is some, it it's did not feel like a and- mortal combat of sorts as a professional welder shana ford uses forge fx to practice over and over which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks, serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Um, okay, so Jingle, you mentioned something about like a, like a, a deluge of dialogue and like a lot of lore and stuff in 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 games. Um, 
but I also know that that, that there there's a it, there's another type of game that you mentioned, uh, which is LucasArts adventure games, oh, and yeah. those are ones that kind of like live in a lot of like dialogue and and story and stuff and 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 puzzle solving. Uh, but you like uh, those games as well, like 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 what are your what what works about those games for you, and what are some of your favorites? I mean, the, I think that was actually that might have been my first real exposure to gaming was that in like whatever wow whatever grade I was in, we had a PC in the classroom that we had like the uh, secret of monkey island uploaded to on you know 3.5 discs or whatever so like i think that might have been the first one and I, I think like you know as a kid like those they're just like funny and kind of quirky yeah. and like the dialogue for that wasn't that bad because it was like interspersed with jokes you know so th- right. that, that that makes it like a little a, like a, like a little more like i can latch onto a little more as opposed to like something which is like blocks and blocks of text without any real like interruption i get like i start feeling a little, a little silly seeing a character like somberly explain like the history of their world all that but monkey island sam max all that stuff was just kind of like fun and zany in a way that appealed to me as a kid i guess yeah i love sam and max hit the road i never really messed around with the telltale sam and max is and i'm not sure if you oh yeah you got around to those, is, that, but... is that the newer incarnation yeah they were there were there was a newer version yeah, I, I, it's really I, the I, lucas arts game is the only one i ever played uh but the but i do like yeah, I, I, I mean, the, those games were extremely my shit of, of just like Secret of Monkey Island in particular was my introduction to that type of game, not gaming, mm-hmm. not gaming in general, but that type of game. And then, you know, Full Throttle, Grim Fandango, oh, yeah. uh, we covered um, Day of the Tentacle on here uh, and, and and Maniac Mansion. We covered both on the podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I like, again, Shred, games that about Heather. Loom. Oh, yeah. Loom. Yeah, we do. Loom, we have the game of song. <laughs> I tell you the thing in Loom where so so Loom it's like you're kind of a spellcaster who uses a hooded uh, sort of mage who uses um music to do your spellcraft. Mm-hmm. But when I like learn and it's and it's a it's a trick that happens in uh in Ocarina of Time as well. But like oh, yeah. the mechanic of that you can play a song backwards to reverse its oh, like God, you're right. It's, it's like genius. it's like that's such a cool thing. And yeah. it was one of those things like, oh, like I get I, I don't know. It's one of those moments when the the concept of game design kind of clicked with me as a kid. Yeah. yeah. It's very abstract for a child to play. Like it's really kind of cool to like assume a kid can do that. And yeah, that was also I mean, an era like where I would be like writing down like like I would write, write down a spell like a blind paper, so you had to call back to it. You know, it's like very much like like a, a full full project. You know, you don't, they don't really hold your hand at all. Did that game make you feel like an adult? Because the other ones were all kind of jokey, and that one's like yeah. kind of a more serious, straight ahead tone. I was like, oh yeah, this is like a mature game. It <laughs> is. It really is a little. Too and it's mature. not at all. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> compared to like Wacky Maniac Mansion, I guess. <laughs> Um, and, and on that note, there was another game I, I know you mentioned is, is missed, which is a game we actually haven't talked about much on the podcast, uh-huh. but, uh, that, that's, that's something you latched onto, you know, Heather is, Heather I, is shaking your head. I, <laughs> I don't stop I, shaking your head. I, I, I don't want to be a hater here, <laughs> Yeah, but it missed. If you'll recall, it came out, it was like, was like a smash sensation. It was a huge, huge, huge game, game. Like yes. on the cover Sold of CD New, Newsweek style thing, like the new right. game that's like shaking up the world. And it isn't really that fun. It just like it's like visually kind of like interesting and neat, but it's like a yes. slideshow style game. You like click to go to a new destination, and you're automatically transported. And it's just like even as a kid, I'm like, this is like kind of lame. It's like it doesn't have like a sense of humor to it. It doesn't really. You don't really feel like you're exploring in any real sense. I never really liked it, and like looking back on, it, I just don't get what what the appeal was. I guess because it was just like a new visual kind of language that was for, a huge for people part in the of 90s but i don't think the game itself is really that cool 
And I remember yeah. the puzzle, puzzles being kind of frustrating and not mm-hmm. like that logical, really, in a way. They just kind of like play by their own rules. So I am a, I think I'm a missed hater, I gotta say. I, would I say, love that take. Choose no book. <laughs> this is um, this is the best guest we've ever had, guys. <laughs> Down oh, with missed. I, I uh, like missed is one of yeah. those games that people would like. My dad pl- has played so few games in his life, but missed mm-hmm. was like a game he played. I think because he, he, you know, he liked technology, and that was a game that showed off the powers of a CD-ROM drive. Yeah. It's just like graphically was so much. It, it, it like like you know had all this this these pre-rendered um, tableaus uh, that you know uh, like like at, at the time looked like looked cutting edge. But yes, I agree. The puzzles are very obtuse, and then also kind of tonally, it's kind of up its own ass. It was kind of like yeah. a proto Jonathan Blow game, but like less interesting. And uh, yeah, I, I just like I, I agree with that. Do you remember the Pist P Y S T? There was a missed there was a missed parody game called uh-huh. Pist that was like released. And you could like buy it at like fucking Comp yeah. USA or EB Games or wherever. They do that with like anything. Like Jurassic Park would come out, and there would be quick a quick to rush like parody called like Jurassic Pork or something like that. Like- <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, there was a mar- there's like the like like the 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 mad the full full on like mad magazine parody of something would just uh-huh. be released and it was just like it's it's such a it was such a different climate. Um well uh well look uh, uh, uh we could talk about these old games all day and we're going to talk about an older game in a little bit but I think we should uh step ahead to the present and Django ask you and everyone what are you playing? Yes, shall I go first? Hello, yeah, go ahead. No. No, Django, you go ahead. Heather did very much look like she was going to go first, though. No. I'm just saying. No. Um, I, I, I am not playing anything at the moment, but what I am doing, as I mentioned before we start taping, is I have been fanatically watching very short clips on YouTube of people beating Elden Ring bosses, particularly one-shot videos in wow. which a player who has you know amassed all the upgrades they can, many, many playthroughs through, has figured out the exact combination of buffs and spells and equipment they need to do to beat some of these later game bosses with one hit. And so it's like this really great, satisfying thing you, you watch where a guy like spends like the first half of the video taking his various, various tonics and potions and casting his various protective spells and all that, and then goes in there and just lays out the boss with one hit. So I've been watching those like, you know, for about a week and a half, I'd say. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, get him! Get him, fucker! <laughs> very, very, very I don't fun, know but... that I've ever used this descriptor on the podcast before, but those videos sound sexy to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> These guys are studs. <laughs> They're a- a- absolute alpha males destroying these, <laughs> these fake goblins and such. <laughs> I, I I love that shit. I love seeing mastery They're just of, of any field because that's something yeah. I will never achieve. And just when someone's like, oh, you've <laughs> dedicated your life to this one thing. And I honestly like the more trivial, the more impressed I am. Mm-hmm. Like just like 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 whatever. Yeah, you did a you did a blindfolded uh, Sekiro no hit run like that's You know what? That's <laughs> fucking unbelievable. What yeah. a ridiculous thing to do. Uh, but honestly, it's such a great use of your time. Like, it's such a great thing to, to just, like, have that achievement. I mean, half the internet now, or not half the internet, but like a good portion of the internet is just, like, watching someone be good at grilling, watching someone be yes. good at playing yeah. guitar. It's just so satisfying to watch someone who has it down. And, like, yeah, it's, like, very, like, calming. And you do feel like a vicarious sense of accomplishment. Like, accomplishment, like, we did it. <laughs> you did yeah. the work, and I was supporting you. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Look at this yeah, fucking dude, it, Dice Cantaloupe. Jesus oh Christ. He's a, he's a surgeon. 
Yeah. It's funny to think, like, I've never really thought about the internet in the way you just described it, but it used to be like, like, I don't know, a hundred thousand years ago in your, your tiny caveman tribe or your, your, your tiny, you know, your, your hunter gatherer tribe that there would be the guy who was good in your group, but you weren't seeing the best guy. You were only right. seeing the good local guy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it wasn't until circuses started traveling that you'd be like, holy shit. Oh, my God. I thought what my, is my, my that guy doing? Good. Yeah. <laughs> and then television exposed us to like the Olympics. I mean, if you lived near the Olympics, you could get to see the Olympians. But like generally speaking, you'd be like. But 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 now because of the internet, we have seen the best guy at every fucking thing. Yeah. There is nothing you can think of. Like there's somebody who was really good at chopping carrots, and there is a video that they've made. And if I were to look it up, I'd be like, "That's the best one. That yeah. person is the best at it." And there's also so many people who are like, like it's just like because the population is so vast and everyone has access to social media, like the point zero zero one percent of like fucking anomalous genetic freaks are overrepresented. And so I think that leads to like whatever. I mean, like the, the bad side of that leads to like body dysmorphia because you see these Instagram fitness models and who would like are just at a. At a, a like at a level that no one could really achieve except but it but it looks like that's everybody because Whoa. they're overrepresented in that group um yeah start it's fucking men, yeah go on start getting insecure about your, your own ability to chop carrots yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man I just, I just, i'll never be good enough the the thing we talked about this on the podcast before but you know the there there is a there's a streamer and she beat uh, millennia, the Elden Ring boss with a dance pad. She beat two millennias, one with a dance pad and one with a controller at the same time. Uh-huh. And it's just like, that's fucking unreal. Like, I can't <laughs> believe that someone was, was able to achieve that. And I think I, I could spend a thousand hours attempting that and not be able to do that. Yeah. And like, I don't know how much time this person spent doing that, but it's just like, I, I I don't know. Like you know, you know. Even if you're that talented, and even if you're that uh, dedicated, like like you can still like. There's still so many hours of practice that have to go into it, and I guess that's what I appreciate about it. Yeah, so I was like, watching Steph Curry jack up three pointers. Well, the, the question jack it raises off? It, it, jack up, jack off, jack yeah. up. Who's <laughs> not jack? Come on, you said jack Grow off up. three pointers. I said jack up three pointers. What's jacking back. off a three-pointer even mean? I don't know. <laughs> what does jacking up a three-pointer mean? Jacking, it's taking a shot, man. Jacking off three times in succession, as they call that bowling <laughs> turkey. <laughs> <laughs> also something you're not supposed to do in a bowling. But they raised the question. I was just thinking, like, so let's say you can play, you can beat Melania with your, your feet and your hands. Can you become a violin maestro? Or is this like, like, is it in these people's power to do that as well? Or is people's brains only, only equipped to do like this very esoteric video game skill? Right. Is that specialized? When you say it that way, it also makes me think that we, that the person who beat millennia with a dance dance revolution pad Mm -hmm. is a superhero. Like she's like, we have, I've seen footage of her. Yeah. She's a superhero. Mm-hmm. Right. 
What an incredible, like, I've, I don't know. So- sorry, I'm, I guess I'm just geeking out for a second here about how we've all seen superheroes now because yeah. of the internet, like real ones. <laughs> and, and sure, their feats have become less impressive over the years, but <laughs> <laughs> sure, a, a superhero has gone from scaling a building to flipping a water bottle on its, you know, on its, uh, on its edge. But Right. No, I, I don't know. I think I kind of think that it's just like there are people with that those that that degree of aptitude in any population is just what you dedicate your time to. It's 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 like whatever it it it, it it's it. I, I think it's like you see the same thing in like certain athletes certain certain sports are concentrated in certain countries because those have a, con- a culture of doing that or like, you know, the, an environment where you can practice that skill. Uh, it, I, I don't know. So I so I think that that. I, I would guess probably yes, but also it's kind of more interesting if the answer is no. That it's like, no, that's the one thing this person can do. It kind of makes me wonder what my thing is. Because there's all a, a jillion opportunities, but there must yeah. be like one thing out there that, statistically speaking, I'll never try that I would just, like, dominate at. And it might be juggling. <laughs> it might be, you know, playing dance dance with my, you know, being millennial with my feet. I, I'll just, I don't think I'll ever find out. Most of us never do. What a bummer. Yeah. Podcast well, over. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> uh, Matt, what are you playing? Okay, so I have some updates. Last week I said I'd finish um, Final Fantasy 3, which I did do, uh, and I loved it. I thought it was a really great, really fun game, satisfying uh, final boss fight, really fun. I started Resident uh, not Resident Evil, I started um, Final Fantasy 4, and like when I say I started it, I like... I, I just like barely started it, so I'm not. I don't I haven't played enough of it to like really uh, truly speak on that. But that's like sort of the next thing that I'm gonna knock down. I think still chipping away, obviously at at 16 as well. But my major update is that I I bought a um I bought a used 2DS from from eBay. Wow, love I love it. I love it. I I because my my 3DS has seen better days. It's running pretty slow, and the um. The stick, like the little analog stick, the top part of it has like come off, so it like kind of like hurts to put your thumb on it. And so I was like, oh, the the, the form factor of the two DS is is really funny. Uh, like I have it right here. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty nice. Um, it actually, it wasn't terribly expensive either, and it also like, um, has like it was like brand new. Like it, it, there's not a single scratch on this thing. Uh, and so I've been, I've been playing with this quite a bit. I hadn't beat Metroid Samus Returns for the 3DS. And so I, um, I've started playing that a little bit. I didn't re- I had never held What's one weight on that bad boy. Yeah. Cause I've, I don't think I've ever held one either. Uh, it's not very heavy. It's like, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I, I'm so bad with stuff like that. You asked me an impossible question. Um, I, is uh, that compared to a Jersey Mike sub? <laughs> I mean, this is like the last bite. Oh wow! Okay, it's like it's pretty. It's pretty light. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, probably like maybe there's like two or three bites left. Uh, it's you know, it's gonna depend on the sub, uh, the contents of the sub. You know, uh, right? But, what do you put on that bad boy? Yeah, uh, it is soaked. It is. It, I did get it Mike's way. <laughs> soaked in vinegar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's also like I, I had read a lot about some of the, the 3ds, 2ds models, and I ultimately landed on the flat one. Uh, because everyone was like, that one is so sturdy. It is built, it's built like a fucking truck. Like it's, cause this one was designed for kids, like for like young kids, because it doesn't have any hinges. 
So the 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 weakest point in the system has been eliminated. So it is just like a piece of bread form so factor. Were, were kids, were kids <laughs> snapping those earlier ones? I think issue? they're like, yeah, maybe a little rough with it. Or like, you know, mm. if you drop it, like that's like a sort of like a, a weak point in, sure. in, in in the hinge. But like since you could, I'm, I'm not going to try, but I think you could drop this thing and sort of be all right. Unless it, you know, fell on the screen side, of course. Mm. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm having a blast with it. It does. It also feels very comfortable in the hand. Very comfortable in the hand. It's so comfortable. Matt, the screens are different sizes, right? I didn't just. Yeah, get... yeah they're uh, the top screens bigger. The uh, bottom screens a little smaller. I think it's kind of like that in, in different in aspect ratios. Yeah. Yeah. That it's I know that's how it is on the actual unit, like the 3DS unit. Mm-hmm. I do wish that the. Just just for the aesthetic. I wish that the screen surface area on the bottom screen matched the surface area of the screen on the top screen, but only the portion that that was required lit up. Hmm. You just mean aesthetically? Yeah, aesthetically. I see. I'm going to want the whole thing filled in. Hmm. I can't I can't with the with the. Uh, you know, widescreen bars or something on 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 the sides. I don't. I don't. I don't want it in four three. You know, mm. Uh, mm. I want. I would want it to be. I would want it to match and be full too. But also, they have the three DS XL models, and those have bigger screens. And that's honestly like probably what I should have got because let me tell you, you guys know this. Yes. Start getting, you know, as time goes on, let's say. <laughs> okay. Your eyes start to hurt a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, not hurt, sure. but like, they just are, uh, things are getting harder to see sometimes. Yes. So, like, a smaller screen, I'm really like, I'm getting in there, you know? I'm wearing glasses when I'm playing at nighttime. Wow. That's just like, that's just the reality now. So. Does the Switch not have that problem? I don't have a Switch. I'm just curious. The Switch screen is like is like eight inches, so it's like basically like a full Jersey Mike sub. Uh, yeah. But it is, um, <laughs> it's the screen's bigger and like the text is usually bigger. This is like, I mean, this is smaller than a phone screen, you know. So like, this is yeah. sometimes I'm like, what does that even say? It's also a lower resolution, but yeah, I, yes. I, I think the the. Uh... Yeah, I mean, even the Switch screen though, I, I don't want to stare at it for too long. No, you no, know. No. I usually play docked if I'm playing, unless I'm playing at night, obviously. But like if I'm, uh, if I have my druthers, I'm playing on the on the TV, so I could not be like, you know, what's yeah. that say? That's it for me. Uh, Heather, what are you playing? Well, I've been preoccupied playing this week's game for this podcast, mm-hmm. as well as our we play you play for the end of the month, which mm-hmm. I have dedicated hours every day. Which has saddened me a little bit because I like, you know, enjoying Final Fantasy games like a fancy meal. Like Mm -hmm. they don't come around very often. You really want to experience it. And I feel like I'm pushing through a little bit faster than I normally would. But that brings me to a, a point about the soundtrack for Final Fantasy 16, which is, I guess, what I've been playing this week. The the soundtrack was released on CD. And mm. I've thought about buying it on CD because it is eight discs. Whoa. It's an eight disc soundtrack. Mm. And I think back to like the 
the soundtracks for Final Fantasy, you know, seven, eight, they'd be like three discs. And you'd be like, holy shit, so many discs. What an <laughs> what an enormous amount of music. Eight discs. That's a lot of discs. Yeah. Also comes with a, a great sticker of Torgal. One, like, one sticker, eight discs. One sticker, eight Terrible ratio. Discs. <laughs> what the hell are they trying to scam you out of? It should, it should be one to one. I also, um, I realized because I was emulating Super Mario RPG, I never, I never think of the computer that I have as a game system. I only mm. think of it as a writing system or a... You Photoshop system and I and playing Super Mario RPG. I was like, I might, I might cozy up with some retro games this week. Oh, I might, I might play a little. Yeah, you have that in your power. A little something, something. A little, yeah. a little nice type. Um, so yeah, that's. I've just been fixated on the Final Fantasy soundtrack and that eight disc collection. I wish they would release it on vinyl. I wish they would. Ooh. You would have to buy like tw- like forty pounds of vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> the warmth, the grooves. Yeah. It's a hundred ninety-nine songs. That's a yeah. lot of music. I feel like I hear three songs when I play the game. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> um, but that's what I've been playing. Wow. That's it. Well, it falls to me. Wow. No one's gonna tee me up. So no, I think we're done. Playing's all over the place. Yeah, I think we yeah. got enough. We're good. Oh, well, what am I playing? Someone might ask. <laughs> hey, Nick. Uh, yeah. What are you playing? <laughs> Thanks, Matt. So I've been been. I think I'm. I've been playing Final Fantasy 16, but I've also been finding re, finding things to play other than Final Fantasy 16, which maybe speaks to my overall assessment of the game, which we'll talk about next week mm-hmm. on We Play You Play, but. One of those games is The Case of the Golden Idol released some DLC, uh, Golden Idol Mysteries, The Spider of Lanka mm. in June. And I finally got around to playing it. It was on Steam sale. I picked it up. Uh, this was developed by uh, Color Gray Games. And I finished two of the three scenarios that are in the DLC. And I'm, I'm eager to, to dig into the third. So just a refresher for anyone who... Uh, maybe you heard me talk about this game at length last year. I, I just wanted to play Case of the Golden Isles, one of my favorite games of 2022. It is basically, you know, we we're talking about LucasArts Adventures earlier. It's not exactly that, but it is the same sort of thing of you have uh, rather than a, than a than thing where a player character, a scenario where player character is interacting, you are viewing a tableau. You are viewing like a moment in time with a bunch of different characters and objects uh, in a location or locations and you can examine each of them and it basically comes down to a sort of a lateral thinking puzzles of figuring out what exactly is happening in this scenario. So for instance in the first one in in the DLC you are at a some sort of card game and there are just a bunch of dead bodies everywhere and and two or three people have survived and you're just trying to figure out what happened. And the puzzle is, first off, what are the rules of this invented card game? And then also who murdered who in each order? And you just sort of deduce that from all of the clues that are present in all of the scattered objects. Uh, a character will have like a business card or a letter uh, that's on their person that you can examine and that will give additional context. There'll be a sign on the wall and there'll also be like bloodied murder weapons uh, and so on. 
So it is a lot of deduction. It is a lot of lateral thinking. Uh, and it's really, really fun and really, really satisfying when you s- finally solve one of these puzzles. Also, it has like it's it it has a great it does a great job of like dispensing just enough red herrings where what you think is the obvious solution to one part of the puzzle later on this has happened to me with with both of the scenarios that i finished and i i i I suspect this is not specific to me what you think is like oh well that's obviously that i'll 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 take care of that and i'll set that out Mm -hmm. uh for later set that aside for later then like eventually got tripped up as like why is this not this not all sinking why is this not all adding up why am i not getting the satisfactory sting that i solved this thing it's like oh wait that one thing that i thought was correct was obvious was actually had another layer to it uh that is hidden in all the the depths of detail that are present here uh I, it's so that the, the gameplay is super duper satisfying if you like puzzles uh aka not heather uh, and it also <laughs> has like this this just the world of it is so fun it's like this invented world that's akin to like an 18th century earth um it's you know colonialism is a big theme uh and uh i think by virtue of having an invented reality they are able to just, you know, not get married to Earth specifics and invent a bunch of other stuff like a fucking uh, poisonous blue cricket and and, and that sort of shit. Um, and then also like the art style, which I talked about when and and, and people have I, I think it's a it's a it's a thing that that some people find repulsive. It is disgusting, but I really like it. Like it looks like like it's kind of like a VGA sort of 256 color palette. It feels like it's looking for like, like kind of an older pixelated uh, point and click PC game aesthetic. And then the character designs are they all look like just like nasty people. They're just like yeah. all, kind of all like like, you know, they have they have weird expressions on their faces they're all kind of intentionally repulsive Uh, i mean it's clearly a choice but i really dig it and i think it fits with kind of the nastiness of the reality that they're establishing also the soundtrack too it's kind of like dissonant uh and uh you know it it, uh unharmonious it's it's like that's kind of jarring in its own way um and and it all kind of works for this unsettling uh violent reality uh that you're trying to uh, get to the bottom of um i I want to note one other thing here as i read about this there is a switch port available for this game i've been playing it on steam but you know for those of you out there who just are on who are on switch uh or don't have a uh, you know don't have access to a gaming pc you can check it out that way and i think it will be very very playable on switch because again it really is just a a point and click mechanics and really is just just examining a tableau so uh, i uh, love this game and i really really am enjoying the dlc i think it does a great job of heightening what's already in the existing package VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know, it's another great game. Super Mario RPG. Uh, this is our game and tell format. And uh, Django, when you emailed me uh, via a mutual friend, uh, you you know sort of introduced yourself, and and I think we we knew of each other, and we we worked on some of the same things, but never really crossed paths. But in your introductory email, asking about like you know, hey, maybe coming on the podcast, yeah, uh, you asked quote, 
can we talk about Super Mario RPG? Mm-hmm. So this was clearly kind of at the top of your of of your mind. Uh, what is it about this game that has connected with you uh, so profoundly? I think it might be the best SNES game. Wow. And that's a, a great console that has a lot yes. of classic games on that really stand the test of time. The Super Mario RPG, and I'm not even a huge RPG guy. Oh. It's just so much fun. And there's just something ab- about that game when it came out. Like, it was just so different and, like, silly and weird. But also the mechanics of it are really tight. And there's a really strong sense of exploration where, you know, you're, like, a lot of, like, kind of disparate world zones that feel genuinely like fun and like kind of you're excited to explore them. So I think it's just a it's a combination of the exploration and the humor. And I, I think the, wow. the game mechanics are also very fun. And that really just like kind of makes it for me. Uh, yeah, it, it's a, a a game I played when I was younger as well, and I you know I did not have as as strong of a reaction to it as as you do, but I did like really really like it, and I do think it's a really cool game, and I love what it led to, which is you know the Paper Mario franchise and the Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga games, um, you know non Square developed, but so clearly inspired by the success of this one. Uh, the game was released in 1996 for Super Famicom and Super NES, pointedly not released in PAL. Uh, which is one of those weird like Nintendo quirks of the era of they're just like, ah, fuck it, Europe doesn't get this one. Uh, Developed by Square and published by Nintendo in kind of their symbolic final collaboration, I guess you'd say. I mean, the the, the next year, Final Fantasy VII releases for PlayStation 1, so it's kind of the end of the, the, I guess you'd call it the second party era of Square as a a developing for Nintendo consoles exclusively. Uh, And... um, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto was somewhat involved, or was, was heavily involved as uh, producing this project. And right now, of course, Nintendo being Nintendo, even though there is a remake on uh, about to come out, it is currently unavailable. Uh, you can't either, you know, you have to play it on uh, on emulation. Um, have you, Django, have you revisited this game um, in recent years at all? Not recently. I think like 10 years ago, I got a, I got a ROM hack and I played it then and I found it really, really held up. Last night, yes. in preparation for this, I went back and like, watched a few videos. I was like looking through the bestiary, which is like 700 or so monsters or so like that. <laughs> so I was really, really, I was, I was really kind of taking, t- taking a, a, my toe back in the waters. And when you're just talking about now, about when this came out, it just occurred to me, I completely forgot about this, which is that when I first, as a kid, dropped 70 bucks for this game, and brought it home for the first time. At first, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> I thought I was getting a Mario game, yeah, which is two degree side scrolling, power ups, all that. And the, the the game as it opens is just so weird and different. Like Bow, like Bowser is like immediately like side cast, like you know, out the door. You have this other like weird kind of like industrial era villain. It was just so so different and strange. But I'm glad I stuck with it because it really was like a great experience as a kid and you know, ten years ago. I, I had the same sort of experience, and I'm, I'm curious about Heather encountering this game because I, I I don't Heather I don't think you played this game before. Uh, no, I, um, I I I had not played the game before um, because when it when I saw the previews for it, I was like, that's not Mario. <laughs> I and also right. I'm you know Sega forward, so to to go to Blockbuster and rent the console in order to try this. Mario game was such a huge barrier of entry that I was like, eh, I don't think that's going to happen. And when I did eventually get a Super NES and like started building my library, 
it wasn't one of my priorities because it felt like this strange stepchild of Final Fantasy and Super Mario. Yeah, it does. Ha- yeah, for sure. When you put it in that in that in that like term, it does kind of feel like a strange like Mario knockoff of the Final Fantasy uh, you know, series. Also, imagine the slap in the face for Nintendo to give Square their main dude to be <laughs> yes. like, "Hey, you guys make great games." make a fucking RPG and Squaresoft's like, you got it. And they make Super Mario RPG beloved by all like fantastic game from what I've played on it uh, of it uh, this week. Um, and then immediately they turn around and make Final Fantasy seven for the PlayStation. Sure. It's rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the yeah, it, it's a. I, I you you talked to like not not tracking it down when you were building your retro collection. I think this is one of those those carts that became oddly or not oddly, but became just like super expensive. Like I think it was like kind of a even though it was a was a relatively successful game in North America, I think it was pretty pricey to track down in the the, the secondary market. Well, also, I mean, Super NES games. We we talk a lot about how expensive games are getting now. But mm-hmm. Super NES games were regularly seventy dollars. Yeah, right. like, I th- like Mortal Kombat when it came out for Super Nintendo was sixty nine ninety nine, and if you lived in Canada, those <laughs> those prices were eighty nine ninety nine. Like it was it it was not an inexpensive bargain system. So the the cartridge itself probably also if you went to Electronics Boutique or wh- however you got your games in the nineties, what was the other one? Babbage's Babbage's. Oh, yeah. If you went to Babbage's like you ask your mom, like, uh, hey, can you buy me one game or your dad? Can you buy me one game? And (laughs) how many kids were going to be like, I want the Mario that's that's not a Mario. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Challenge is my expectations. Yeah. I'm going to like I'm I know it's going to cost you 70 dollars with tax, dad. Uh, but the game I want is the Mario where you can't control his jump in real time. <laughs> I want a time delayed jump. The one with a, learning, <laughs> a huge learning curve. Yeah. Well, yeah, and also it being kind of, you know, like isometric, like everything about it was a little disorienting at first if you didn't have the expectation that this was going to be an RPG. I mean, I'd played some, it, it sounds like, Django, this this was not a genre you were as, as into, but like I'd played some other RPGs, some other Square RPGs on uh, on Nintendo, uh, Super Nintendo when I encountered this game for the first time so i kind of knew more what i was in for Mm -hmm. but the things that i think were refreshing for it were by the way i I always love doing this um because you know you talked about games how expensive games used to be i just i brought up an inflation calculator and uh, a 70 dollar game in 1996 is would would be like 130 dollars today that's absurd it is weird how video games are still 70 dollars like they haven't changed that why is that is that just like a number that people associate with a game they also went down in price. They went down like, a little bit. Yeah. During during the CD era, it was so much less expensive to produce a game, like to mm-hmm. physically produce it, that the, yeah. the prices dropped. And now they're back up there. Uh, the the thing that that really connected the connected with me is another thing that's that has it shares in common with Car- Chrono Trigger uh, is there are there are no random encounters. 
And that's the thing I always found so fucking annoying in RPGs mm-hmm. is just going around the map and then just you're randomly. I mean, Matt, you're encountering this right now playing those old school Final Fantasies. Yeah. Like you just like re- like you're just trying to explore a map or a dungeon and then you randomly get pulled into mm-hmm. uh, a combat situation. Um, here you see enemies on the in the world map and that's how you encounter them. Yeah, right. but like I, I, I this is I, I had never I had never played this before, and when I saw yeah. that uh, they're just on the map and you can avoid them if you want, I tried doing that a little bit, but then you know, like any RPG, there is like uh you know a leveling system, right? So yeah, I was like, oh, like you can't avoid all of them, like you have to like do some so you can get experience and then you know upgrade your health or upgrade your attack or something uh or upgrade your uh your flower your which is uh mana in this game or whatever uh and i was like i was because i was trying to avoid them because i don't like (laughs) i don't like the combat in our in turn-based rpgs usually uh but once i started getting into um like you know when i get a, a, a new party member for example or like uh started actually leveling up i was like okay like there is like um there's rhyme and reason to this it is like fun i was enjoying it yeah i I mean i like jrpg combat Mm -hmm. i assume heather's the same but like i actually think this combat is really kinetic and fun and active and it's meant to be uh and it's meant to be like you know hey here's a here's an introduction to how these sort of com- this sort of combat can play to someone who's like less familiar with the genre. It also was a system that um, in some ways Square ends up using in Final Fantasy VIII. Right. Like the, uh, as soon as you're about to land an attack, press the button again uh, yeah. to add bonus damage stuff. Like that's, that becomes like a Square thing for a short while. And then also Mother does the same thing. Mm. The Mother games are like, click it on the beat and your attack is more powerful. And that, that feels a little bit more like actual combat. Yes. Like just giving me the button twice. I'm like, okay, okay. There's a little bit of something here. I I got to I got to time this a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, obviously we're chained for paper Mario and, and superstar saga as well. It's like those, mm-hmm. they, they all sort of were like, okay, this is how a Mario RPG is supposed to play. Um, did you, I'm curious, Django, like, like, okay, the, so, so you haven't played, you don't play this type of game generally. You were kind of more expecting a Mario game. Like, how do you start to like really have a connection with it? Like at what point you're like, oh, wow, this is really working for me as a kid. Man, I would say probably like, I mean, this honestly might've been my first ever RPG. I, wow. Which is Ooh. kind of. Is a momentous occasion in a young boy's life. Obviously, it's like your, your first baseball glove and your first you know, kiss and all that. Um, but yeah, I think it probably was like once I started like developing like the idea in my head, like oh, as you progress, you can boost your stats, and that's like the part of my right. my, my brain that realized like oh yeah, that's the good stuff. Like, <laughs> you, like you, you giving me any numbers that can go up and make myself more powerful. That That is what gets me. So I think that was probably what it was, like realizing, oh, I'm getting better. I'm improving. You know, I think that sense of accomplishment is, is, is kind of what tends to hook me out of these games. And I think that's also why a lot of these, like, you know, basically every, like, action game now has this type of system where, like, you, know, you can upgrade your weapons, you can upgrade your stats and all that. That is, like, a very, like, important, like, mental part of these games, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I to- totally agree. And I, I think also the... Like, I mean, that's the thing I, lo- I love about RPGs. I love numbers going up. Um, but also, I think the 
I think the the other thing that 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 in terms of like stuff that like kind of blew my mind about this game is that Bowser can be in your party. Yeah. Like Bowser eventually being yeah. like like that is like a crazy thing for a kid to wrap their head around. And and he also reveals that he's putting on a performance. Yeah. Like right. you're when you first encounter him and he's outside of that tower, he's like he's like um ah uh, Man, I really miss the good old days when it was like me and Peach, <laughs> fucking Mario's like there, and then he sees Mario and he's like, "Oh, I've got to, I've got to be confident. I got to, right, I got to right. put on the facade." They, which, they, get, they give him an inner life, which yeah. is an astonishing thing at that, that point in time. <laughs> like three three dimensional characters with like loss loss in their heart and such. Yeah, it, I didn't see the um, Mario movie yet. Uh, but I wonder if that sort of becomes the canonical take on Bowser is that like the dude is a little bit like he's pushing a little bit with his whole persona. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's definitely an element in the Super Mario movie. Uh, I think there's there, but, you know, the, again, I'm, I'm going to mention these games repeatedly, obviously, but like, you know, like like in Paper Mario, it's like. That's that's one hundred percent an element that's retained is him being like a semi tragic figure, and I think that there's a part where you're playing as as Peach in one of the I think I think the 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 GameCube um, Paper Mario, and like you find Bowser's diary, and it's got all these like kind of sad entries, <laughs> yeah, you know? That's right. And it's like uh, it's uh, like I, I don't know. I think I think it's a really fun take, and and I'm, yeah. I'm glad that element's been retained. Yeah, I, I guess they this this did establish like a lot of like kind of Mario canon in a way, or just like Mario conventions, if nothing else. Um, I, I, I while we're talking about NPCs and while we're talking about party members, you know, you get Mellow early on or Mellow, uh, however you want to say it, uh, and and like I think he's your first party member, and then. Um, as time as the game progresses, there's another party member who I feel like we just kind of have to mention because I think Super Mario RPG enthusiasts are are going to expect it, uh, and because I know he's like a fan favorite from this franch from this particular game, which is Gino, uh, Gino the uh, the 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 marionette come to life. Uh, did uh, Django? Did you connect with with Gino at all? If I recall, Gino is like the badass, right? Gino is like the really like he's like the he's most cool. powerful warrior in your in your party. So like yeah, I, I think I must have connected with him. So like Mario is like your basic character. Malo is like kind of like a healer, magician type. Gino yeah. was a badass. Bowser was like a brutish badass. And then Peach, I guess maybe Peach was a healer and Malo was the magician. Is that is that Malo's the mage? Is that sound right yeah, to you guys? They both have magical, uh, like I, I didn't revisit it for this particular discussion, but like they both have, like yeah, they're they're both magic users, and and the yeah, uh, your your Gino's more like yeah, DPS, just like a heavy hitter, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. What's DPS stand for? Uh, damage per second. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> we all like that's cool. That's yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Gino's cool. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not sure if Heather and Matt, if you got far enough to, to encounter Gino yet, but I've not met Gino, but I'm excited to, I'm excited to uh, meet him. Cause that was kind of the fun thing about, uh, visiting this game for the first time visiting. I wanted to say revisiting, but I never played it before, but visiting doesn't sound right on its own. I think you can say that. I think you're fine. I'm visiting yeah. the game and I did want, I was playing it on my analog pocket and I was like, oh, this is a perfect pocket game. Like, it's like, it's so fun and, like, 
the thing that really struck me about it was that like I I because I had heard about this game, I just didn't know, I just didn't know like what it was like, and to see RPG conventions mapped under Mario. And it, it all works. I was like, oh, this is this is unbelievable. Like, I can't believe that this game actually exists. Like, the fact that there is, like, uh, like uh, ma- there are magic users and that there are, there, that, that there that could be a healer within the party. And then, like, um, just, like, I don't know, all the other RPG elements of it all, like, it really works. I, I, I loved it. It's, 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 it's such an interesting game. I, I kind of, like, what I, what I appreciate about the game is, is, Again, it was a, like you were saying, it was a, it was a bold gambit for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it looks great, which we haven't really talked yeah, about. Uh, yeah. And, um, and it, you know, it kind of set the template for how like Super Mario RPG style games might play. And if anything, like it kind of bums me out when you, co- when you compare, when you look at this game and you look at the first couple Paper Marios and then you look at like where that franchise ended up going and it got so far away from like the more conventional sort of, yeah, uh, RP, like, like the, the Mario, the Marioed up and with some action elements, but pretty conventional RPG approach that I think works so well for this game. I think one of the best parts of this game is the lack of tutorial and the simplicity of telling you what you're supposed to do with the buttons. Mm-hmm. Like the first the your first encounter is ju- it just shows the buttons that you can press above Mario and you press them once and it tells you what it does. And that's like that's such an excellent system instead of bringing up a full menu at the bottom of the screen that right. you then cycle through each of the things select that then select it again then select it again to enable it and i know that there are eventually with super mario rpg there are eventually multiple menu presses within your we'll call it a crucifix grid uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's that sounds right yeah um but but it was i i was like when i when i started i was like did i skip something because it just brings you into that first encounter and expects you to be like, all right, cool. Press some stuff, figure it out, which is also what Mario games do. Like instinctively, the first, you know, creature walks at you and you yeah. have to do something because he's walking at you. And that's how it teaches you the game. So it really, yeah. I, 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 was, I was mildly impressed. I thought it was a good... I think it's a good game, guys. And that, that's not <laughs> a surprise for anyone. I also I had to look up when the game was uh when the game was developed. And uh the initial development of Super Mario RPG began in 1994, right? Final Fantasy VII also begins its initial talks. In 1994. Now, we all know that they thought they were going to produce Final Fantasy VII for the N64 disc attachment, like the the drive, the hard drive, but that it wasn't feasible. And so they start shifting in 1995, the development of the game to PlayStation. So this game, like they know they're they're they've got a mistress. Yeah. And they're still looking Nintendo in the face Take while these secrets. two things are happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, 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 I mean, it's great that this game is so good because they very well could have just taken every cool idea from it and just give it to Final Fantasy and like, 
turn it turn yeah. in some kind of slop but it is kind of based on that background it's kind of cool that like it turned out to be this good this this different than final fantasy 7 too the flavor is very very nintendo yeah uh, it's a, it's a, it's also the weird like kind of timing of the era and because you know this is like one of the the last gen or the the end of the of a console generation. This is towards the end of the life cycle of of uh, of the Super Nintendo Super Famicom. I mean, I just looked it up. This came out in March in Japan and May in in the U.S. in 1996, and the Nintendo 64 comes out in June of 1996. So it's like you know. Uh, this 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 was really kind of the dying of the light for that era. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess though that happens a lot. Like I think if we like probably look back and we're like we're just talking about the Last of Us Part Two. It's like well that came out at the very end of the PlayStation Four mm-hmm. yeah. life cycle. So you know that that should happen sometimes. Um, two things that I want to say before I forget. Mm-hmm. One is that Gustavo Santoyaya Gustavo. There you go. Thank you. May have leaked a um, Last of Us Part Two remastered for the PS5, mm-hmm. which makes sense because then you know sure. you can play it and pl- and watch the HBO show, which will come out in like eight years. Uh, <laughs> and then also we talked earlier about the graphics on this game, the um, the 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 look of Super Mario RPG, and there is this uh, modern tradition to make pixel remasters and pixel graphics. As the way that an emulator looks while playing a old 8-bit or 16-bit game and that that wasn't the way they would look on CRTs. And if you play this game on an emulator without using scan lines, it is fucking ugly as shit. It is Mm. just a mushy color garbage like you can't like differentiate between anything that's happening on the screen but the moment you drop on those scan lines it's gorgeous and i wasn't a huge fan of this pseudo 3d look in the late super nes life like the donkey kong country the super mario rpg that that plastic play action figure look um but I do think it's extremely well implemented and the remaster of this game that is coming out has gone back to those original assets and re- redone them and those assets look amazing. Yeah, it was the uh, the kind of the, the silicon graphics era of like they did use those workstations to pre-render stuff and that was the big Donkey Kong Country thing and I I assume the same process was used for Super Mario RPG they, they you know it certainly they look like the same sort of models, but I think it's it was, again it was the end of the the, the kind of the two D gaming dom, uh, era of dominance, and they were just like, ah, what else can we do to make things look interesting? Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I, I I have a couple other things I want to talk about. One is, uh, and I think this is another uh, character you probably Heather Matt haven't encountered, but Django, you may remember Boshi. Yes, uh, this dude. Uh, let me see if I can just share this. Oh yeah, the best bad, tab bad, here. Here we bad, go. Badass, Boshi, badass Yoshi, bad Yoshi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. He's a bad blue Yoshi with sunglasses. Well, so much uh, attitude and, uh, a spike collar. Yeah. <laughs> How is this no, the first you. time I'm learning about Boshi? <laughs> Boshi, Boshi's great. You really seem to catch Boshi's on. Boshi's a Chad. Yeah. <laughs> Boshi Boshi's should be a... in every game, in every Mario game. <laughs> what did they do? Oh, that's right. You have to beat him in a race. He's, he's like the yeah, yeah. he's like the hot dog, like fucking 
like that badass Yoshi in town. Right? Oh God, he's Mario Sonic. wow i wonder if that was kind of the inspiration that would totally track yeah uh and then and the other thing and i i'm I'm curious if you have any any thoughts on the score uh jango because like the score is by uh, yoko shimomura who we've talked about on the podcast but you know very prolific video game composer the kingdom hearts uh franchise um street fighter 2 uh live alive which came out which the remaster came out recently uh and i have a couple tracks i set you matt it's hard to distill the soundtrack just down to a few things but i i, I pick just well let, let's just play this horse this first one uh fight against a somewhat stronger monster that's the title of it <laughs> yeah it's one of the battle themes she's Great also title. she's also the composer in final fantasy 15 just want to Give give it a little bit. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, you know, put a little stank on it, but... Also, if you want to get a little ethereal, a little mystical, you can play a track like, uh, listen to something like Beware the Force Mushrooms. Such Traverse Town vibes on this song. Yeah. Like this, you can really hear her Kingdom Hearts work. jaunty than ethereal at least in the beginning but you get what i mean they should they should have um you know how there are final fantasy characters in kingdom hearts they yeah. should have put they should have put boshi in kingdom hearts <laughs> it's 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 a licensing nightmare to make that happen but i totally agree they should throw boshi in more things that first song is a banger man that really took me back i i, I forgot about yeah. the, those huge drums it's like a very 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 you know, percussive, and then they have the fucking like, the shitty like nineteen nineties DJ scratch like like keyboard preset sound every so often <laughs> yeah. as, as like an accent. That's so funny. I, I, I really that, 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 that track absolutely rocks. And yeah, that second one was awesome too. Very very uh, renaissancey, I guess I would say. Uh, do you have uh, Jango? Is there anything I, I I feel like we kind of been all over the place in terms of 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 adding our own thoughts? But mm-hmm. I'm curious. Is there anything we we've missed? Anything you want to talk about this game that we haven't touched on? Uh, one thing that took me it brought, brought me back to it was looking at looking at last night was just like the overall sense of humor it has. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's a very like silly game with lots of funny little moments to it, and a lot of it is made possible through some really great physical comedy with Mario who never talks. So, so because because he never talks, it gives you a, a little bit of an obstacle when he has to communicate with other characters. So there's oftentimes it was like Mario explain what happened, and he has to mime through it, which can be done either by like motions, but then like he'll, he'll like he'll like imitate another character and transform into it, and then like like show what happened with that. So it's just a, it's just a lot of small touches like that that make the game very funny, which I really appreciate. Appreciate like there's not a lot of like. Mario is always a very funny franchise because it's all very silly and you're in a, gi- a giant boot, et cetera, et cetera. But this game really hits the sense of humor in a way that I really enjoy the time and is frankly kind of making make me want to go back and play it again. I might have to buy one of those little 
SNES ROM ROM things they released recently. Oh yeah, well you, you saw the Switch remake is coming. I did see uh, the that. Switch remaster. Yeah. I mean, is that is that going to persuade you to get a Switch? Ah, God, I I really want to play the Zelda games, and so that might put yeah. put me over the top. I just, the problem with this is I know any any game like this is just like bam hundred hours of my life gone so like it's really hard like like i have so much yeah. shit to do like like can i can i really stand playing mario rpg a third time maybe yeah that's the that is the exact quandary we face every single week on on this show yeah uh, I did take two screenshots uh, in the game that made me laugh. They were from really, they were early on, but uh, you're talking to it or, you know, Toad is talking to you and he's like, oh, this bad guy went that way. I'd go do it myself, but I can't because I forgot my bazooka at home. Mm. <laughs> he has a bazooka, a military grade weapon that he just like has. Yeah, they, they they wisely do not have guns in this game. No. <laughs> and then in this other one, in uh, just a little further along, uh, Mari, I was talking to like this l- little kid character that was like running around. It's like a little the same thing that Malo is uh, running around, and mm-hmm. uh, it says Mario. Let's say you and I get hitched in a few years, okay? I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Stop running around. You need a good woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mario is a catch. Yes. Uh, I'm. Yeah. It, it's a. It, it's a. It's a really cool game. I mean, I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about it. I. I, I think it's like. You, you talked about the sense of humor. I think that's a really great thing to drill down because, again, that's that was trained in, in a lot of these in these Mario all these Mario RPGs that came from Nintendo. But I also think like you know. I suspect I don't know. He's probably fucking talked about it in an interview, but I suspect uh, Undertale was partly inspired by the tonally by mm. this game because it's the same sort of thing. And I, I, you know, I know that that the the games that have been cited are like things like, uh, like like the like the Mother series, like Earthbound, yeah. and you know, this is kind of in that same sort of world. So I I, I assume this one also. Uh, it, it, it drew a squiggly line to that game. So yeah, it's it's a it's I don't know. It's really cool. Heather, Matt, any other thoughts? Uh, I'm very, I'm very excited for the remake. Uh, I you Me know too. uh would like to press on with this, but just the reality of. Uh, what I have in front of me right now, I probably like won't spend that much more time with the original. But when the remake comes along, I'm all in. I'm I'm yeah. ready. Yeah, the remake. Like just watching the trailer for the remake again, having played the limited amount of it that I've played now, I'm like, oh, wow, it's it's the same cutscenes, but they have new camera angles. I also love the look of the characters being ported over that same design sensibility of that little squat, a little squat Mario, the little guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. No longer the svelte, sexy Mario that we identify now. <laughs> I mean, the dude's been in like a bathing suit recently. Don't it's even true. talk Much. about it. I'm oh, gonna yeah, get yeah. too horny. Ugh. I want to hear it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Does, does, does he have a belly bu- a belly button and nipples, or is he one of those? Like, he does. Okay. And like yeah, a single, like he has like three hairs or something too. It's like oh, it's, he has like all yeah, like triple Italian. Yeah. Yeah, Homer Simpson amount of chest yeah. hair. <laughs> Uh, all right, hey, let's do a segment. Okay. Uh, this is a new segment. Uh, I'll explain what it is after I say what the title is, okay? The uh, 
The, oh God, I'm so nervous. Um, okay, here we go. Then, then this new segment. <laughs> yeah. Also, there's a just just for everyone listening to this. Matt, uh, the, the only context Matt gave us is that he has a new segment and he's uh, unsure about it. So we don't know anything else about what's about to happen. No, um, but I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be good. I did sort okay, of uh, in a panic uh, prepare this last night. So here, here we go. The segment is called "What's Their Age Again." Now it's time to say the age to me. Are they 19? Are they 23? Is it canon? Is it just a thought? The match of research probably not can. Our contestants guess their age. What's their age again? What's their age again? Wow. wow. So I have some video game characters' ages. <laughs> so good, man. Yeah. What? And you have to Why tell me Nick, what Nick is frozen in laughter. He's enjoying himself. <laughs> I so I know that this is like a thing that Nick does. That's why I was like extra nervous about it, and yeah. I just really wanted to make him proud. That's all. Uh, Matt, I'm beaming. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never have a son, but <laughs> you I could have me, what it feels uh, someone like. that's like eight years younger than you. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so here we go. The, the, the premise of this segment is I have some video game characters' ages, and you guys have to tell me what you think their age is, and then I'll tell you if you're right or not. Okay. So they all, they all have canonical ages? They all have... Canonical ages, and I will say some of them are looser than others, but this is okay. what they've they've said. Yeah. We'll start with an easy one. Sonic. How Liger. old is Sonic? Liger, I know this. He's 15. All right. That's a point for Nick. So- Sonic is 15. Oh my He's always been based on the image of an edgy teenager with attitude, and his Wikipedia entry lists his age at 15. And it's also noted on the Japanese Sega website. So that's one point for Nick. 15, yes. 15 is also when like your body's exploding with hormones, covered in <laughs> yeah. acne. Like Sonic is having like wet dreams every night. Like this, it doesn't feel like. <laughs> yeah. Sonic's he has like cool shame about jacking out. off. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I think I don't think he's that, that confident. But anyway. <laughs> it's a little one too point young. For yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would, no, I, I would say eighteen would be a better age, but nonetheless, yeah, he should be. Yeah, he should. Maybe whatever you we want to make him know that he can make fuck. him seventeen, but like, yeah, like fifteen is too young. Like he's always cracking. pregnant, so that like that's kind of like a layer too. That's like kind of <laughs> that's sad. another thing. That's weird. That becomes dark when he's fifteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's pregnant with Shrek's baby. Yeah. <laughs> here's a here's a the next character. Mm-hmm. Just recently discussed, Mario. How old? Is Mario Heather? Heather. I believe he is the age of the Christ, thirty-three. <laughs> Heather, that is incorrect. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say yeah, thirty-five, something like that. Okay, did Django also incorrect? Nick, I think he's younger. I think he's in his twenties. I want to say he's twenty-seven. Ah, uh, just over Nick. Uh, so no points awarded here. Mario is. About 24 or 25 years old, according oh to Shigeru, Mi- Shigeru Miyamoto. <laughs> that's that's a that's a depression era 24. Like, yeah. That's like, yeah, back when you had like five kids at age 24. When life and... expectancy was 37. Yeah. 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 <laughs> God damn. So Nick still had one point. How's this going? This is like fun, right? This is funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're having fun. Okay, here we go. This one's maybe a little trickier. Okay. <laughs> 
Solid Snake in Metal Gear Solid 2. Heather. Heather. 24. Heather, that's incorrect. Ugh. Jenga, you play the Metal Gear Solids at all? I have not played them at all, so I'm just guessing purely off like the poster art. Uh, if you if you like Death Stranding, yeah, you might want to try a Metal Gear you, Solid. You, they're absolutely worth revisiting. There, there's the uh, HD re, uh, remasters are coming out of the uh, of the originals in October. Maybe wait until then, so they're on more modern platforms, but very playable. My guess on the posters, thirty eight. Okay, interesting. <laughs> interesting, but no verdict. Interesting or correct? Interesting or incorrect. I will. I sort of. Well, I want to hear what Nick says. I think he is a little older in Metal Gear Solid Two. I think the chronology. I'll I'll guess the over there, and I'm just going to say he's. I don't think they would do this, but I'm just going to say he was forty. That is incorrect. Django is closest, but there's actually two answers. Oh, God. Love this. <laughs> because there's a large swath of time that is covered in Metal Gear Solid 2. So, right, there's the prelude that you play, the tanker mission. So he's 35 it, yeah. when the tanker sinks, but then he's 37 when the Ooh. big shell incident occurs. So I'm going to give Django the point for it. being closest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're getting points for getting closest. I feel like I should have gotten. You were, more. but like that was you were like two, <laughs> but you were like two over. Okay, one over. I'll right. sort of like okay, Whatever. yeah. It sounds like the rules are yeah. kind of changing on the fly here. Yeah, it, it is. It is. The are we still having fun? Is that sort of like that? that that's okay. Yeah. Having a little less fun now, but go on. <laughs> okay, Kratos in God of War Ragnarok. How old is Kratos? Weiger. Heather. I heard nineteen. Nick first. Nineteen, Nick. Okay, so now you're having your own fun. Kratos is the dad. Kratos Heather. is the dad. Kratos is the dad. <laughs> Heather. 35. 35. That's a great guess. It's, it is incorrect. Oh, God damn. You have to think about... R- Ragnarok is the most recent installment, right? Ragnarok's the most recent oh, installment. Ragnarok. But you also have to think he's... <gasps> oh shit he's like a demigod right yeah, he's yeah. in the, the oh, greek mythology okay. and now he's in the norse Fucking mythology hell. god damn it i think he's probably in his 50s at least because like i, I played the, the game before that and like part of okay. it is like, kind of like breaking down a little bit so i gotta say 55 maybe okay you'd be correct if you added 1,000 years. <laughs> well. <laughs> He's somewhere between 1,047 and 1,055 based on like the sort of uh, context like within the games sure, and, and sure. what people have been able to figure out. Hmm. Uh, so it's tied up one apiece. Nick and Django. Heather, you can still get on the board. Heather, you technically still could win, actually. There's a couple more here. Wow. I don't think it's going to How happen. old is Leon Kennedy in Resident Evil 4? Uh. I'm a Y, y girl buzz in and I'm going to uh, I'm going to guess 26. Okay. I'm going to hold. We are holding. Heather. Heather. 24 and 27. <laughs> Wait, is there a flashback in that game? <laughs> no, but Heather, the game takes place over like <laughs> It's like two days or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a long weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I think, God, I think 24 might be right. So I'm going to say 25. 
Okay, Nick is closest. Leon is 27. He's 21 in Resident Evil 2 when he's a rookie. But then six years later in Resident Evil 4, he's 27. Hmm. Didn't Heather say 24 and 27? Yeah. Wait, did you say 27 also? Yes. Okay, then Heather gets the point. Yes. Wait, she gets she gets two guesses, and she gets one of them was right. In that case, I have a range of guesses uh, to populate the board with. Don't poke holes in my little game. (laughs) Uh, It's all tied up. Okay, it's all tied up, and that's actually lucky because this next one is worth two points. Wow, great! How old are Joel and Ellie in The Last of Us Two? You have to get both right. Exactly. I think this is just. I think this is just established in the. I'll, I'll let someone else go first, but I think this is just established in the game. I mean, I think I think this one you there is like a very clear answer to, I think or at least based off of what's established in part one. I think Ellie's probably like nineteen, and Joel's like fifty-one. Hmm. I'm gonna let everybody guess. Okay, so Joel start of Last of Us Part One. Has a teenage daughter. Twenty year time gap, and then another five plus years between that end of that game and and Last of Us Part Two. I'm gonna say fifty six and seventeen. Heather. Joel is fifty three. Ellie is eighteen. Okay. <laughs> so we both we have to get both right. So it's possible that none of us got any got uh, gets a point here. It's very possible. Yeah, none of you got it both right. Okay. But this 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 one is worth two points. So I could award one point for a half point. Does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you just want to keep changing the rules as you go, I guess it makes yeah. perfect sense. To the bonus round, whatever. It's fucking so anarchy. Joel and Ellie. In The Last of Us 2 are 56 and 19. Wow. So Nick gets a point and Django gets a point, which leaves our game still at a tie. You know what? Tie goes to the guest. Tie goes to the guest. Django wins. (laughs) This is the first for what's for what's his age again? What's their age again? That's the, the, inaug- the, the inaugural yeah. what's his age again winner, Django Gold. This is I don't I didn't prepare a speech. This is huge. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank, thanks to all of you. Thanks to all the fictional characters for being the age I thought they might be. <laughs> uh Django, before we wrap up, I have one more question that I wanted to ask you earlier. And I, I'm just curious, like when you play a game where you can customize your name, mm. having the name Django, oh, do yeah. you play as Django? Very seldom. I want to really. I want to escape hmm. my current reality when I play video games, <laughs> so, so I give him a cool name like Thrasher or Wiz. But Django is a cool name, is the thing. It is. I, I just you know, I, I, for some reason, yeah, I want to escape. I want to be someone else. I want to be a different, Got different it. character. So I always either go stick to the default like a like a normal, or I yeah just pick some random silly game. I I, I, I however am very against names that are too silly. Like I'll never just call my character like ass man or something like that. Like that's like yeah. that's a sin. Yeah, that destroys the reality. I'm with you there. Um uh, well hey, that's this week's get played. Our engineering is by Alex Gonzalez, Dead Air Alex G on Twitter and Instagram. Also we have Get Animate. Uh Heather, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya season two, 
which we are continuing our watch down in broadcast order, beginning with episodes eight and 12 on Crunchyroll, uh, which are episodes one and two of the second season of The Melancholy of Harhi Suzumiya. You can check that out on patreon.com slash get played for new episodes of get animated and old episodes of get animated as well so check it out it's us talking about anime and it's now you know stitcher premiums demise is now the only place you can get that patreon.com slash get played that's so check right. it out and there will be more on that soon i feel like people have been asking and have wanted an official uh answer about what's going on with the with the back catalog and other things that are on Stitcher premium we still don't know so we don't know we'll let that's the, our official as, answer at the moment as soon we'll as we know have a better official answer soon exactly yeah uh Django gold our guest Django, thank you so much for joining us what an absolute delight uh, the guess. special is bag of tricks it's coming in the fall um uh, i, I want to I, I give you a chance i've been, been doing this with guests right now but like if, if you first off if you want to share any thoughts on the wga sag after strikes because oh, uh, sure. you know i know there's a big thing a lot of people are dealing with uh if you have any, any personal experience you want to share on that and then also uh yeah yeah but plug the special and anything else uh, social media anything else you want to talk about uh sure I, I can get that out of the way real quick just follow me on the various various social apps at, at Django Industries, one word. And yeah, the special uh, bag of tricks will hopefully be out in September. Uh, there is a joke about video games in it, listeners. So if, if you want, oh, hell yeah. want to watch the whole thing front to back wow. to get that one joke about video games, I think you should. <laughs> but it will be. <laughs> it will, it will, <laughs> and share it with friends to see if they can find the joke about video games. But no, the, the special will be very good. It's my first special and after 12 years of doing stand-up. And I got to say, it's looking very, very funny and interesting and different so please watch it as for the sag after wga strike it's just really weird to be in a situation where the villains are so cartoonishly evil it's just like <laughs> odd because like you could like in most conflicts in life you can see the point the other person has and like you can try to find a common ground but, but the studios and like specifically like the few dozen people at the top the studios have been acting so maliciously and unfair and bring such little value to the table. It's just bizarre to be in a conflict like this where you're fighting like an incompetent Darth Vader who's looking to like <laughs> privatize the Death Star or sell it off for parts. Like it's just like so shitty and bad. They've just been doing such a bad job of messaging. So like we we have the morale, we have the righteousness, and hopefully we'll come out of this with a way that people can actually support themselves creating the things that people like that people want uh, on the other side of these people just do, do nothing except like harvest and d deplete that, that which people like. So it's really, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an it's an ugly foe to be going up against. I'm confident a few more months of this, we should be hopefully in a better, better position. Awesome. Love that. Yeah. Love uh, it. Django, Django, congrats on bag of tricks and uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me guys. And uh, AMPTP, this week, you got played. <laughs> oh, shit. And that was the turning point. I was going to say, if we find out next week that this is all over, it was because we did it. Yeah, that's our team. <laughs> Ending. Ending.